living through one of those changes that historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the End Times Continue, recording on this, the 28th of August. My God, it's almost September already. Yeah, dude. I, it, like, it feels like today, uh, particularly, at least where I am, it felt like a fall day. And it was like, oh, we're transitioning out of that summer period. And now it's all the temperatures are all downhill from here. So. I'm so <laughs> excited for it, though, dude. I'll be honest with you. The, the amount too. of humidity. Too. Oh, God. The, yeah. the audio is so good. The amount of. Oh, yeah. The amount of humidity that we have during the summer is absolutely murderous. I hate it. Oh, yeah. Down there, I'm sure, especially. Like, it's just... (laughs) Uh, It's the worst. Um, I'm Dino. Who are you? I am Ace. Oh, man. Uh, How have you been recently? You had a busy day. (laughs) I did, yeah. We we were supposed to record, uh, like, earlier in the day. And at the moment, for for audience perspective, we're recording uh, late at night. It's 8.30 where I am right now. Usually, we try to record a little bit earlier, but I just, I, I got busy. And couldn't. And then right before we were about to record, my internet went out. So it was like, an, oh, great! What what a wonderful day! <laughs> <laughs> but we're here. We are here. Yes, now. absolutely. And I don't mind. I don't. I truly do not mind. I said it's cool multiple times, and I mean it. It's super. Yeah. Cool. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> the uh, the. I just wanted to make it clear that wasn't a call out or anything. I just. I just oh, thought it was yeah, kind yeah. of funny. Um, the 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 amount of times you were like, uh, can we go another thirty minutes? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. We all have those days. Um, yeah. So you had mentioned something that you thought was kind of fun, and I agree. I think it's kind of fun. Um, Sam Hyde did a boxing match with another influencer. I'm so out of the loop on this thing. I'm out of the loop on that thing too. Yeah, I so don't the, know the, who these people are. About is not actually like who he fought. That's not the interesting part. Uh, what the interesting thing is what happened after the fight. Yes. Um, now for background context for people who don't know who Sam Hyde is, he's a comedian. Uh, he's done a lot of really funny bits in the past. Uh, he's a, he's a, uh, alleged, <laughs> well, he's been accused of many crimes, but he's never done them. And he keeps getting away with it. Uh, exactly. So infamously, one of the most infamous things that ever happened was, um, one time, a news station, I think it was after um, uh, some mass shooting or something, someone called in and said that uh, this is the guy who did it, Sam, uh, and they said Sam Hyde, and the news station posted a picture of Sam Hyde as the as the alleged oh criminal, my God. <laughs> as the shooter on, on TV. <laughs> Uh yeah, and so he he's uh he's been around for a while. For people who don't know, if you don't know who Sam Hyde is, you should. Uh, he's very uh, funny. His his TED talk. Just Google. Yeah. Uh, look Dude, for yeah. on YouTube. Look for his TED talk. Sam Hyde TED talk. It is one of the funniest things ever. Have you seen his Have you seen his bit where he's like, "I could be Hitler's top guy"? Have you seen that? One? <laughs> I have. I've seen a clip of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, Google that one too, uh, listeners. Uh, that one is hilarious. That one, man. Is he great, is. Great he does these wonderful, like, strange, subversive performance art pieces. Yes, 
<laughs> that are entirely rooted in what are clearly really good comedic instincts. Like he's he's really yeah. funny. But the 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 things that he elects to do make me laugh endlessly. Yeah. He is he is one of the funniest guys ever. He's very very funny. Yeah, he's very good. Very and the, good. that TED talk, he just he just starts saying state enforced homosexuality, homosexuality kills me every yes, time. That's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, giving the African children iPads and, and talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what he's wearing, he's wearing uh, I don't want to ruin the whole thing if someone hasn't seen yeah. it go watch it but he's wearing a costume and it's hilarious <laughs> um, okay so he was in this boxing match and yes. after the match um, they they of course interviewed him because he won yeah. and, and he's had this so for a little background him and Hassan Piker have had this kind of like rivalry for a really long time now uh, almost a year, I think, at this point. So this has been an ongoing thing. But yeah, for, with that knowledge, go uh, continue on. Uh, yes, and Hassan Piker, just for a little bit of background on him, he is a socialist influencer streamer yes. guy on the internet, and he's he's a, he is one of the worst people on the planet. Yes. I have a special distaste for that guy. Oh yeah, I, he just comes off as I don't even watch any of his stuff. He just comes off as. I have I uh, he 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 makes I I I have these feelings about people and I call mm-hmm. it skeezdar. <laughs> and he and he sets it off really yeah. really badly. Like this is yeah. a guy that I think does bad things. You know what I mean? Well, and he's also one of those like socialite socialists, you know, where like the very like he's a socialist but he's also obviously very wealthy. And exactly. He's, uh, you know, obviously, kind of hypocritical in everything he advocates for. Exactly. Uh, Drives around an expensive and car, and that's yeah. right. Yeah. Bougie so, as fuck. Know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's and Sam Hyde and him do not get along. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, this this is the interview that occurred after the fight. They're talking to Sam Hyde here. Uh, it's going to take a minute to fire up, I guess. Come on. Oh, there we go. you know it, lad. You know that Hassan Piker. I'm coming to kill you in Los Angeles at your house. Or in the ring. No, in real life. <laughs> stalk him He's smiling. Him and wear his makeup and his dresses and use his skin as a coat like the ancient Irish did. <laughs> well, that's your winner, Sam. Hey! Hey, Oh my oh, god, you know that what? is that is hilarious. Where's skin yeah. as a coat? <laughs> I'm gonna stalk him and wear his makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Sam Hyde. Oh god. And Hassan, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Hassan took it seriously. Like, yes, he did. He started yes, freaking did. out on the internet. Everyone in his chat start, so uh, Sam Hyde also goes by an alias known as the Candyman, and everyone and everyone in Hassan's uh, chat was saying the Candyman is coming for you, <laughs> and he was started banning them, suspending them for an hour on his stream. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Sam Hyde. Or in the ring. No, it is house. No. Yeah, in real life. 
Oh my god. People are trying to cover for him. You cannot cover you, you for Sam Hyde. You're trying to give him an out. He's like, no. Sam Hyde is going to say whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, yeah. He's unfucking stoppable. Um, yeah. Okay. He keeps so, getting away with it. He keeps getting away with it. Um, yeah. So on the last episode, one of the funny, one of the things that made me laugh the hardest was when somebody photoshopped his face on a fighter pilot and convinced—I yes. don't remember what the journalist was—but yeah. they convinced him he was the ghost of Kiev. <laughs> yes, yes, that. <laughs> oh. oh, I still laugh thinking about it. <laughs> so. I had said on the last episode that I had a funny conspiracy theory to bring you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I yes, think yes. it's hilarious. Do you, do you know what happened to Anne Heche? Poor Anne Heche. Uh, it was a, was it a car accident? I, yes. I'm not, I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was burned severely in a car accident, which led mm-hmm. to brain death. Ultimately, she was in a vegetative state and then died. Um, terrible for her and I said this at the time the only thing that I've known about Anne Heche my entire life is that you can see her butthole in the Psycho remake Um, (laughs) she falls down in the shower and you can full on see her butthole that's the only thing I know about her Um, because she's kind of a B-lister you know what I mean like like she's not really in anything Uh, except that she was going to be in a movie called The Girl in Room 13 Oh. Now, this is a lifetime film, film, television movie. Uh, and the. <laughs> uh, she was. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to find where in this piece. The film examines the story of a woman named Grace, Haitia's daughter in the plot who is held captive in a hotel room with the aim to sell her into human trafficking. Mm. So, the movie's about sex trafficking, ultimately, and a girl who gets sex trafficked. Okay, the pieces are starting to fall into place for me now. (laughs) So... (laughs) Very quickly... A conspiracy theory grew up around the death of Anne Heche, uh, uh, spurred on by the fact that there were videos of the accident and of paramedics after the accident. At one point, she is on the stretcher, and they're taking her into the ambulance, and and she sits upright, like bolt upright. What? Yes. She wasn't in a coma when they got to her. She was in, uh, I, I would assume she was in incredible shock. You have video? Is there video of this? So there is video, video of this. There is video of this. I can send you a video of this. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, she's, she's in the stretcher. She's being carried in the stretcher. Yes. She is. They're carrying her through a wooded area. Yep. Moving her around to uh, fire trucks and ambulances. Yep. Holy shit. Sits, she pulls the sheets back away Holy and sits shit. bolt upright. That is creepy, dude. Isn't it? That is disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, so for listeners, she, she like, at, at when you're first looking at the stretcher, right, they have her, like, I think she's completely covered. Is she completely covered, like, head to toe? In the, she uh, is. In the... I believe, I believe, people are describing it as a body bag, but it's not a body bag. Yeah. 
it's, it's not it's, a body bag, it but it, it looks close to it. Yeah, uh, the sheet is like folded how, over her twice, as if right. the person is dead. Exactly. Like, yeah, and that that's eerie, dude. Yeah. So they carry her for a while, and at first it looks like she's just unconscious. There's no movement, and then all of a sudden, right before she's about to be taken into the ambulance, you see her pull the body bag or the 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 bag or the sheet up, like she uh, spreads it apart jumps out like her the, the her torso up like uh, she's up and she's like reaching for one of the paramedics yeah she point. pulls the strap uh, there was a strap over like the top of her head kind of loosely and she yeah. gets away from that there's a strap over her over her uh sort of midsection and legs yeah and so she's like sitting up and her legs are straight uh uh you know uh I'm, I'm still on the gurney, but she's sitting up, like freaking out, and her arms are out wide. Yeah, that's yeah, dude. It's freaky. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's not a body bag. Video. It's like a it's a burn bag, right? Because she was pulled from a burning car. Yes. But it, it's still like it's still covering her, which you know you can you can make sense of if it's like she has severe burns, right? Exactly. But it's still it's still very creepy of the way she like just. She's being held there, and then all of a sudden, right before she's about to be taken into the ambulance, she jumps up and, like, looks like she's ready to attack one of the paramedics and break free. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's very she's disturbing. Very animated. Yes. Yeah, so, like, yeah. going from, like, a zero to a hundred in, in, like, a second. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting video. But people yeah. took this... And and they connected it to this this uh, this girl in room thirteen film that she's mm-hmm. a part of, and they decided, uh, along with there's another video of, from a ring camera where you can see her vehicle, and as it goes by the house that's recording, uh, the car is like screeching as if she's hammering the brake. Oh. Okay, so people took that people took that information. You can hear the crash in the video, too. It's in the left channel. Um, The that video where the car just goes, it goes by like. And then you Mm -hmm. just hear. (laughs) Um, But they 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 took all this information, decided, okay. Oh, I hear it. Yeah. Wow. Her vehicle was um, her vehicle was uh, somehow tampered with. And she and these, this was done on purpose because the movie that she's in is about Jeffrey Epstein. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Now, huh. there is no evidence that this movie is about Jeffrey Epstein. Right. It seems like it's just a lifetime movie that's made to capitalize on the sex trafficking panic. Right. Um, I I I can find no information that it's linked to Jeffrey Epstein at all. And as far as I know, that's not how Jeffrey Epstein operated. Keeping a woman in a hotel room for an untold amount of time, kidnapping them. Right. No, they were hired on. They were they they were working for him. They went home. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's that's everything that yeah. came out of the Jelaine Maxwell trial tells us that's how that worked. So yeah, the, in the video it, it, uh you can when you see her car, she's going the car is going extremely fast down this road. It's like a, some suburban area it looks like almost. yes, and uh it's going extremely fast, so like it's, it, there does appear that perhaps there was some malfunction with the car, 
uh, whether that was just, you know, a mechanical malfunction or whether it was tampered with, it does seem like something went wrong with the car. It uh, could be. There was also another explanation for some of that, some of those sounds Mm -hmm. that I saw, which was uh, ring cameras have shitty mics. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And so that, that, I mean, that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to recreate it, but hell, that could be engine noise. You know what I mean? Like if she's zooming, like, I mean, so there's no, there's no real way to tell. It certainly sounds like brake screeching. Right. And the car is not slowing down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but the, in any case, so this has been built up now into a conspiracy theory that the, the death of Anne Heche is a method by which they can keep this lifetime movie from being made <laughs> and exposing Jeffrey Epstein right. further, yeah. I guess. Cause that Jeffrey Epstein yeah. is exposed. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, know I what don't the really motivation what the would be. Lifetime, I don't really see what the lifetime movie is going to add to it. You know what I mean? It's not like, like if there was some like big reveal that no one else had knowledge of prior to or something like that, it's like, okay, that's one thing. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I don't see how a just a lifetime movie would like you know be a motive for someone to like you know oh well you know it's like it's like oh yeah they have all this knowledge about what we actually do but you know this dramatization of what we do that's a step too far exactly <laughs> exactly why wouldn't yeah. why, I mean why wouldn't they've done something about the multiple documentaries that have been made in the wake of the Jeffrey Epstein thing right. like yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me but you know this is the this is kind of it seems to me like sort of the remaining. Um, sort of uh, chunks of what used to be like the Q sort of side of the mm-hmm. internet, right? Picked this up and ran with it, and right. and and built this Anne Hage conspiracy theory outside of outside. You know, when when the more reasonable explanation is she was drunk and crashed her car, <laughs> like. <laughs> but but regardless, I I do find it um, I I do find it fascinating how quickly something like this can again because again there is no evidence that this movie has anything to do with epstein right yeah i think that like the biggest thing that people could latch onto is the video of her in the stretcher because that is genuinely like off-putting like that's weird it really is it's very strange but it makes sense though if you're in shock and still conscious right. like i mean yeah, that exactly. someone yeah. could totally do that that's not that's yeah. not weird and apparently she she fell into uh, uh her her vegetative state at the hospital like it was later on right yeah and i mean yeah that, that like going through shock you know adrenaline that could abs that the, there could absolutely be like just natural explanations for that you know common occurrence type but of it thing. is it yeah. is terrifying to see she the looks like it, it's it looks like a zombie movie it does. Yeah, she's crawling out of a body bag type thing. Yeah, yeah it exactly. Very, very creepy. It is so weird. Anyway, I wanted to share that with you. It's it's really no one's even talking about it anymore, and they probably won't mm-hmm. be unless some other news about Anne Hage comes out. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I I did mention on the last show that I would bring it up, and I find it fascinating. It's one of my favorite things is going into like the weird conspiracy side of the internet, and I don't mean like the the reasonable conspiracy side of the internet because there is a reasonable conspiracy side of the internet. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean the fucking weird ones. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the thing, right? It's like, I, I actually, I like going, I like looking up the weirder ones because it's like, there's a lot of conspiracies out there that I think, oh yeah, that's probably true. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a lot, like, like anything to do with like, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, the type of like, well, the most obvious conspiracy is always like government corruption or like corporate corruption, something right. like that, you know, corporations in bed. That, that's just obvious. Almost everyone has an intuitive sense that, yeah, that's pr- anything to do with that. That's probably a real thing. I mean, uh, technically, no. Epstein didn't kill himself as a conspiracy theory and fucking everybody believes that. Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> it's totally right. reasonable. Right. There's a difference between, you know, uh, people believing Epstein didn't kill himself and there's three aliens uh, coming from, you know, outer space who are talking underneath my bed trying to sell me car insurance. Uh, Those are are three different things. Uh, That was oddly specific, but okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, weird, huh? (laughs) Now you know what I've been doing all day. (laughs) Write a book. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that but that video of her sitting up is unnerving. Yeah. Absolutely unnerving. Yeah. Um in fact, I'll probably I might I might drop a link to it in the in the show description just because it is so weirdly unnerving. It's weird. It is weird. Um okay. We also have another follow-up. We talked on the last episode about the Mar-a-Lago raid and and yep. some of the stuff about that and how we didn't have any information really because the probable cause affidavit hadn't come out. <laughs> And what information do we have now? Uh, well, we got the probable cause affidavit, and it, it is, well, we got about um, maybe a quarter of it. <laughs> the whole document is 32 pages long, and I want to go through and I want to count pages that are redacted in full. Okay. <laughs> Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, that's close enough to eighteen. Uh, eighteen pages redacted in full, with several other redactions made throughout, which would bring the total cl- to around. I mean, if you added it all up, probably about twenty-two pages fully redacted. Oh my God. Oh my god! Yeah, imagine like turning in your uh, schoolwork and then you did like half or uh, three quarters of it is redacted. It's just yeah. like yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and and a good chunk of this is like is is placeholder legalese. Like like there's like the whole first paragraph is or uh, the whole last several paragraphs um, is all placeholder boilerplate legalese. Um, paragraph seven through. Uh, I think what is it, seven through twenty three or twenty four? No, seven through yes, twenty four is all placeholder legalese where they just say you know th- these are the laws that we're referencing and yada yada yada. So so massive massive chunks of this are useless <laughs> because it's all placeholder stuff. It's just like hey, we're talking about these laws, um, and and oh, twenty two pages, maybe a little more. Are, are redacted in full <laughs> of a 38 page document. <laughs> um, but the most interesting part of it is actually the first paragraph. Mm-hmm. And I will read that for you because I do find it interesting. The government is conducting a criminal investigation concerning the improper removal and storage of classified information in unauthorized spaces, as well as the unlawful concealment or removal of government records. The investigation began as a result of a referral the United States National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, sent to the United States Department of Justice, DOJ, on February 9th, 2022. 
The NRA referral stated that on January 18th, in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, uh, NARA received from the office of the former President Donald J. Trump here and after F. POTUS via representatives 15 boxes of records. The 15 boxes, which had been transported from the F. POTUS property, uh, yada, 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 uh, Mar-a-Lago, further described in Attachment A, were reported by NARA to contain, among other things, highly classified documents intermingled other records. So this whole thing was kicked off by the National Archives. <laughs> huh. Well, that's... Uh... <laughs> the identity of the agent who wrote this is redacted. It's I redacted Is being... That, uh, I... And I'm not sure, like you, you. I'm not sure if you would know. Has there been any other precedent for the National Archives being the 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 prompt for the, for something like this? Uh, again, I uh, this is this. Uh, my girlfriend has described this as the tax evasion of politics. Right. So I'm sure exactly. that it's happened before. But I've, but I have no idea. I can't point to anything specific. The the redactions okay, yeah. in this, like the agent who wrote this, is redacted. I uh, comma redacted comma being first duly sworn hereby de, uh, depose and state as follows. Um, in paragraph three, the FBI's investigation has established that documents bearing classified markings, which appear to contain national defense information, were among the materials contained in the 15 boxes and were stored in the premises in an unauthorized location. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines of redaction, six, six and change. <laughs> Further, there is probable cause to believe that additional documents that contain classified NDI, uh, yada, 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 um, paragraph four, I'm a special agent with the FBI assigned to the Washington field office, redacted. During this time, I have received training at the FBI Academy located at Quantico, Virginia, specific to counterintelligence and espionage investigations, redacted. What are you possibly redacting there? Yeah, right, exactly. It's just like... <laughs> Oh my God! And then they, of course, reference the laws that are that they suspect have been broken. And then, beginning on page nine, it's just full page redactions. There's one right. sentence unredacted on page eleven. Page twelve, fully redacted. Page thirteen, fully redacted, except for a header. <laughs> uh, page fourteen, one sentence unredacted. Yeah. You know- we we should always hold the government to the standard of privacy that they try to hold us to. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like, well, if you <laughs> right, why do you need encryption if you if unless you're you know you're doing something you to hide? Right? It's like right. okay, why are you redacting things? Why is this whole fucking document redacted? One of the things that yeah. I find amazing about this, there is a uh, there is a, a a chunk in here beginning, I believe, paragraph twenty five. Um, yada, yada, yada. It talks about NARA again. Um, uh, the letter was made publicly available, yada, yada. On February 18th, 2022, the same day, the Save America Political Action Committee posted the following statement on behalf of F. POTUS, quote, the National Archives did not find anything they were given upon request, presidential records, and an ordinary and routine process to ensure the preservation of my legacy in accordance with the Presidential Records Act. An image of the statement is below. Following that, it's all redactions. They also redacted... Um, there had been a response from the president's office citing um, citing that he had the authority to unredact these things. Paragraph 53. 
I'm aware of an article published in Breitbart on, the, on May the 5th, 2022, available at, and then it links to the, there's a link to the document, which states that Kash Patel, who is described as former top FPOTUS administration official, characterized as misleading reports in other news organizations that NARA had found classified materials among records that FPOTUS provided to uh, NARA from Mar-a-Lago. Patel alleged that such reports were misleading because FPOTUS had declassified the materials at issue, and then everything after that's redacted. So it's like the response to the defense that the Trump administration uses is redacted. <laughs> They're like, uh, yeah, they claim that they declassified all these materials, redact everything after that. What? Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Paragraph 53. Uh, yeah, the entire response to that is redacted. Is this the most? So I I haven't seen the document, uh, and I I don't have a lot of history of like comparing documents uh, in in terms of uh, redactments. Uh, is this the most redacted document you've ever seen? This is the most redacted total? document I've ever seen. As a, <laughs> as a, as a percentage of the document, yeah. Percentage, yeah. As a percentage, yeah. Yeah. This is the most redacted <laughs> thing I've ever seen, and I've pulled down redacted documents and read them before. Like it's not it's mm-hmm. not all that uncommon that you have redacted documents, right. but right. This is the most redacted thing I've ever looked at. And, and I, I, I shouldn't overstate. It's not like I've looked at hundreds of redacted documents, but I've probably looked at, you know, 20, 25 redacted mm-hmm. documents before. And this is the most redacted thing I have ever laid eyes on. <laughs> oh, my God. As a percentage of the document. Like it's, it, and and it, it goes beyond. Like, it's all like it, they, they said that there's like identifying and, and what, stuff and sources. Point, why even release it? Right? Why even release it at a certain point if you're just going to redact like 70% of it or something? Well, the Trump camp, the Trump team demanded it be released. And the DOJ was like, no, it's got all this identifying information about our sources and yada, yada, yada. And they were like, OK, so redact it. And then this is what they came out with. <laughs> it's really, really bad. <laughs> like, there's no information here. If you just scroll through it, it 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 just looks like you got a you've just got pages and pages of stripes. That's all it is. It's oh insane. My God. And then they have the exhibits, of course, appended at the bottom. But uh, attachment B, property to be seized. This is kind of broad. This is one of the interesting things. All physical documents and records constituting evidence, contraband, fruits of crime, or other items illegally possessed in violation of 18 U.S. Code Section 793, 2071, or 1519, including the following. Any physical documents with classification markings, along with any containers or boxes in which such documents are located, as well as any other containers or boxes that are collectively stored or found together with the aforementioned documents and containers as boxes. Uh, information including communications in any form. Regarding the retrieval, storage, or transmission of national defense information or classified material, any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 2021, that's anything, anything done during his entire presidency. Yeah. That includes, um, and that's, that's the one that includes like his handwritten notes, like post-its, <laughs> anything. Right. Just like what he wrote on a napkin somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> 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 Sitting inside some Wendy's writing down some, <laughs> Donald Trump at Wendy's just writing down some shit on a napkin. And it's yeah. like, oh, classified material. His fucking McDonald's order that he wrote down on yeah. a post-it for the secretary. Like, that's all right. that's all there. Um, it's amazing to me. This is this is this is a probable cause affidavit. The point of a probable cause affidavit is for you to show a judge. And say, this is the information that I've got and where I got it. 
this is everything. This is everything I have to show you to convince you that I have probable cause to go into this place and search for these things. That is the point of this document. Given how much of it is redacted, I cannot say whether it met that goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know, as you're as you were saying before on on this episode and last one, it's like yeah, this is like you know the uh, <laughs> the tax evasion of of you know presidential crimes, right? It's like well, if you yeah. can't get them on anything else, you get them on tax evasion. Uh, so yeah, it's like uh, you know is- every uh, every president has had what what could be construed as classified material in their personal home. Yeah, whether he wrote something point. down on a napkin or a meeting yeah. time or anything. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing I just... It, it doesn't... <laughs> they redacted out all the probable cause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the NARA said he had a thing isn't probable cause. I don't <laughs> think that meets it. I don't think that meets the standard for probable cause, which means there must be more in here and it's just redacted away. It's just not there. <laughs> the National Archives gave us a call. I don't think meets the probable cause standard, but this this is there's nothing. There's nothing here. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like why even release it? Like it, this is just nothing at all. So why even release it in the first place? It's just so they can say here, here we go. We gave it to you. They asked and here it is. They unredacted, on page 11, they unredacted a single sentence referencing a CBS article titled Moving Truck Spotted at Mar-a-Lago. was published January 18th, 2021. At least two moving trucks were reserved on the, on the premises on January 18th, 2021. That's the only unredacted sentence on that page. Fantastic. <laughs> Good job. Good job, guys. Team effort. High five. It is absolutely, they can't, I mean, again, I understand that they want to protect sources. I get that. Right, yeah. But there's nothing here. There's no references to anything. If you can't release it because you want to protect your sources, then don't release it. Or if you feel like you can release it, uh, but most of it's going to be redacted, just don't release it. Just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Because this looks worse. Right. Because there was already, this was already all done under seal. Yeah. Right? So uh, uh, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why the judge let this come out. I don't understand why they decided to redact this much information because it looks worse. It looks yeah, like absolutely. they're hiding this stuff. Is, exactly. And, and this is just going to embolden his base more. And, you know, for, from their perspective, for a good reason. It's like, look, they're obviously out to get him. Um, uh, and look, they're obviously hiding their, you know, uh, their deeds behind uh, redacted, uh, redacted um, uh, pieces in in this uh, in this piece, right? So it's like, well, obviously this is a this is a, a plan to trap them, and it may well be, uh, perhaps. But it, yeah. no, no matter what, if it is or if it isn't, the point is this looks very bad for them, and it will embolden his base. Absolutely, there's no because there's they're releasing this as if there's. I don't know. Ultimately, it's it's difficult to parse because the Trump team wanted it released. And I understand that because their position is it's all uh, it's all conjecture. Right. That would be their position. And their position seems to be that he had the authority to have these documents anyway. They were all declassified by him, which Mm -hmm. he's allowed to do. Yeah. Right. Um, Right. Which might hold water. I don't know. 
like I said, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with that law. I'm, I'm, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. I'm not super familiar with that law. I said before, I don't know if there are any, any like steps that need to be taken to make that official or if you just say it to oh, someone. I just knocked a bottle off my. <laughs> yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but it, it just seems so strange to me to release it in this fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, that's that follow up that we had there. Now, let me tell you something, man. When I have a political disagreement with my family, (laughs) what I tend to do is have the conversation. You know what I mean? Hash it out. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're not going to see eye to eye, it's fine. Yeah. You know, let it lie. We're not going to agree on this. Whatever. But these, but this mm-hmm. is my family. I'm not gonna right. fucking turn it into a big thing or anything. It's, it's my family. Right. We've, we've talked politics all my life. We've agreed on things and disagreed on things, and it's it's fine, right? Right. Dealing course. with family. Well, do you know who Sidney Sweeney is? Uh, not until today. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I had totally forgotten about her existence. But this was brought to my attention. And there's this weird through the looking glass thing that's happening that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm that I'm that I'm seeing. Sydney Sweeney was or is, uh, I don't know if the show is still on, is how little I know about this. Um she uh, was was or is in Euphoria, the the HBO show. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Playing one of the teenage drug users, I assume. And she, uh, she is, uh, being attacked at the moment (laughs) because she posted a picture of her mother's 60th birthday. Okay. (laughs) Her mother's turning 60. They're all having fun at this party. It seems a little Western themed. There might be barbecue there. Seems like it's, you know, a good time. And uh, she posts this picture and immediately people who assume that that her dad is standing next to her mom, which I think that assumption makes sense. That probably Mm -hmm. is her dad. Right. They notice that he's wearing a thin blue line shirt. The American flag with the blue stripe. Okay. And they immediately go on the attack. They begin attacking this woman. Attacking her. Attacking her. They're, they're t- <laughs> because of her father's attire. In her okay. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a perfectly stable individual uh, attacking her. Yeah. Absolutely. She, <laughs> she addressed it on Twitter. She said, uh, you guys, this is wild. An innocent celebration for my mom's milestone 60th birthday has turned into an absurd political statement, which was not the intention. Please stop making assumptions. Much love to everyone and happy birthday, mom. That's a fine. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. If you're getting that butt hurt on the Internet over like someone celebrating their mom's birthday because you see something in a picture, you should really just log off. Like, just log off. You yeah. can just log off. You can close the app. Just log off. That's yeah. fine. Just Touch grass. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go too far. Uh, baby stuff. <laughs> but, 
The... But, you know, it's, it's just wild to see, right? It's like, look, yeah, look, obviously, we're no fan of cops. No. But neither of us would attack a woman celebrating her mom's birthday because there's a, you know, a thin, some, we see a thin blue line uh, shirt or sticker somewhere in a picture. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do not care. unfathomable to me. It like, is <laughs> beyond, beyond unfathomable. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that's just, it's bug nutty to me. It, it, yeah. it, it, yeah. it's, it, it is unhinged. Right. So I began scrolling as I do. (laughs) (laughs) And that was your first mistake. (laughs) Exactly. And I started looking through uh, the replies to this tweet. Mm -hmm. And it is insane. The things that these people are saying. There's people in here who are saying like, uh, I stopped talking to all the Trumpers in my family. It's really not that hard. People saying things like, your dad's obviously a racist. Why do you still talk to him? People saying things like, and this is pretty close to an actual quote of something I read. They said, uh, they said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. If you disagreed with them, you wouldn't have been invited. So this tells me a lot about you. Well, that's, I, I, yeah, so there's like se- there's like six or seven presumptions in that one sentence right there. Yeah, that they're just like, I'm trying to mind read into exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm scrolling through these things. I don't understand this cultural thing. I don't get it. It says a lot to the fact that they think that if they if that you would only be invited if you agreed with them, right? It's like oh, so yeah, that's that may be your personal experience. But that doesn't mean it's other people's experiences. I don't think uh, I would ever be disinvited for my mother's 60th birthday, regardless of where I was politically. Right. I, I, I don't I, I, I understand that not everyone has family like that. But 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 right. at least if you have a family unit, right, that's somewhat healthy, then then right. you're you're that's that's kind of yeah. reasonable. And I think I, I there, there's a, a big difference to me between like. You know, just your average voter who's just like a normie or something who may support some uh, politician who does horrible things and but they're just like strictly unaware of it or whatever, or they just have other concerns and they're not paying attention to these things. Sure. Uh, Right. They're not. It's like online. There's a big difference between that and like what some people have tried to say is, well, that's like a Nazi officer in your photo. It's like, no, that's not the same thing at all. Right. It's like Dude, the number of comments levels. that I saw where people was like, it's as, it's as good as wearing a swastika in 2022. It's like, are you <laughs> right? Are you insane? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't get it. Right. There's this it, it seems I think I've missed something culturally. Yeah. Over the course of the Trump years and covid, I think I missed something on the left. I think I missed something on the left where people are actively convinced that if their family doesn't agree with them, they are evil people. Right. And I didn't, I didn't, I kind of thought this was going on in like a couple of spaces. I'd seen the viral tweets where somebody says something like, I stopped talking to my mom because she voted for Trump or whatever. I I saw those things. I I didn't think it was this though. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Is, um, 
I don't know, more more people should read, you know, Brian Kaplan's The Myth of the Rational Voter. But like, I don't I don't ever personally hold anything against someone as a person for, like, who they vote for, because oftentimes people vote, they have singular issues that they vote for, right? Yes. And they're not, it's not like people are voting uh, for Trump because, oh, I want him to continue the war in Yemen, right? Or something right. like that, <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Uh, or And for people who voted for, like, Obama or something, uh, they're voting for him for what they see are good qualities. Their so belief is that they're voting in their interest or acting in their interest. And, and, yeah. for, and for the most, like, altruistic among them, their belief is that they're voting in everyone's interest. They exactly. Don't, they don't, they don't, they're not trying to be evil. <laughs> right. For the most right. part. You could say that they're mistaken, but that's a big difference between being evil. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, for, for the most part, they're, they're not trying right. to do bad things and certainly right. not for the sake of doing the bad thing. Um, right. it, it's, uh, and you know, where the hell pave good intentions, all that shit, but it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those yeah, you things can, you, you gotta can have do some grace. Horrible things. Yeah. You can do horrible things. Uh, unintentionally, but it, to say that they, they, that person is evil uh, is just like that's a completely different statement than saying, "Hey, your actions can lead to bad consequences." Those right, are two different things. Right, or or what you think is in your interest is actually not, and here's why. Yeah, exactly. the classic. My favorite, my one of my favorite quotes ever getting ever given at a at a uh, lecture or a, it was a Q and A. Milton Friedman um, mm-hmm. telling a college feminist oh, yeah. who wanted the the equal pay act passed and he yep. had said uh, i'm on your side but you're not but you're um, not yep. yeah it's yep. one of my That's favorite it. things great <laughs> it's great milton freeman's not my favorite but that quote might be one of my favorite quotes yeah. um but yeah the uh the the i i don't I, there's this i don't understand this cultural need to excise people who disagree with you politically from your life entirely especially family like strangers fine sure but there, there's there's like a higher thing than your political persuasion. Right. Well, that's the thing, right, is that most people are better people than their political beliefs would allow them to be, right? Most people are not consistent, and that's in some sense a good thing, because if they were consistent in their political beliefs, they would probably be much worse people than yes. they are. Um, so it's that's actually, an excellent you know, point. Uh, that is an excellent point. Two, two cheers for being hypocrites. Uh, actually, <laughs> like, genuinely. Like, like genuinely, I think that's a good thing in in many cases in people is that it's like uh, I would rather someone be a hypocrite than consistently bad. Uh, a lot of the times, I'd rather you know I it, I'd rather the person still retain some good qualities while you know sometimes unintentionally uh, doing things that lead to very bad consequences. That's an excellent point. It's a lot like it's a lot like that conversation that was happening the other day where it was like if libertarians were consistent, they would all just move to the woods. And and mm-hmm. we were talking right. about that. And I was like, it's the fact that we think coercion is bad doesn't mean freeing ourselves from coercion is the highest good we can accomplish. Right. And I had I had used the example. I said, I never tell my girlfriend, fuck you. I'm going in a woods like that doesn't. Right. There are things in my life that are more important than that. Right. And, and it's also what. Yeah, exactly. So. Just like freedom, so here's the thing, right? A lot of the times, freedom is often seen as well. All you, ca- all libertarians care about is freedom. They don't care about anything else. Everything else can be damned, right? And that's not necessarily true at all. Uh, f- we we view freedom, we view li- human liberty, um, um, as the bare necessity for justified interaction. The bare necessity that doesn't bare necessity does not necessarily mean. Um, or sufficiently mean, I should say, um, it doesn't sufficiently mean that it's the highest goal 
right? Right. Like something that's the bare minimum and something that's the highest goal. For example, you, there may be things that you value more than freedom. In fact, um, I, you know, if the choice was stay and slay, you, you, uh, your whole family dies or you can escape slavery. I would, I would choose to still be enslaved, right? Sure. Because I would want my family to die. That doesn't mean I don't, I don't value liberty or I think what's happening to me is justified. It just means that in this moment, I value their lives, uh, you know, more more than I value my freedom. But that doesn't make me an inconsistent libertarian uh, at all. Dan Carlin asked the question in the, I think it was the Celtic Holocaust episode. Dan Carlin asked the question, we all have this list of things that we would die for. But what happens when one thing on that list conflicts with another? When you have to choose... Right. That when when you have to choose between one of those two things, you would die for. Mm-hmm. Right. What happens? Those those things at the very top of that list, and mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the question that's being asked ultimately. Is yeah. is what what? I'm sure that we would all claim at least that we would die for freedom. Um, whether that's true or not is is, you know, really beside the point. It's certainly on that list. Right. The the other thing, though, like right next to that, or maybe even above it, is your family, right? Or or yeah. your friends, or the family you've made, or or right. whatever it is, your kids, like that. And, and you know, going back into the the topic about well, why don't libertarians just move to the woods, right? Because it, it, theoretically, if you could just move to the woods, you could escape like government intervention. Which one? Not necessarily true. There's um. Oh yeah, there's a lot of presupposition. Yeah, there's a lot of presupposition um, going on Ru- there. Ruby Ridge, Waco, um, uh, things like that. You yeah, know, uh, that. Well, uh, there was a there was a great. I think it was Jackalope writer who said uh, leaving the 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 long arm of the law would have meant going to Montana just a hundred years ago. Like, right, right, or 150 uh, years ago. Exactly, but but even let's just take it at face value. Let's say that's true, right? Well, one. Uh, there are other considerations besides for like being free of the state, right? Maybe it's just like inhospitable to live. It's not. It's not great to live. Uh, live there. Um, but and I think someone would try to say, well, then you're choosing to stay in the state. So how is that not consensual? Well, it's not consensual because the state has in, has no rightful claim to make these uh, mm-hmm. these demands of me in the first place. That's why it's not consensual, right? So I, I think when we're talking about when, – when libertarians are talking about freedom, we're not talking – it's not like we're saying we're not free because we don't have choices in a strict sense, right? Um, like, like if there was a place to move uh, that was libertarian, I, I may go there. Or I may not, but even if I don't, that doesn't justify the state's rule over me, right? Uh, the fact that if a woman is being abused by her abusive husband, she has the choice to leave. But if she doesn't, it doesn't mean she's consenting to the abuse, right? Right. Um, so th- there's all these considerations you have to uh, play in your mind. Uh, maybe you're staying there because your family wants to stay there and you care more about being uh, close to your family than you personally being free. Um, so there are many multiple considerations that I think are very valid that why a person wouldn't want to like just go off in the woods. And also, also the libertarian is not saying that I have an obligation to free myself, 
right? I, I don't have an obligation to free myself. The obligation is always on the aggressor not to aggress. Um, I don't have an obligation to free myself or other people. Now, that's not to say I shouldn't, you know, maybe if I have that, if I have an easy, easy opportunity to, then I probably should. But the, 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 um, they're almost flipping the obligations, right? They're, right. they're putting the burden uh, for me on me to free myself rather than the aggressor to stop aggressing. Now, practically speaking, the burden is always on me, right? You are always responsible for your own life and your own choices. And when something happens, complaining about this person is aggressing against me is not going to stop them aggressing against you. So it ultimately, the ball ultimately is in your court. But on on a rights based perspective, on like a on a moral level, the moral obligation is always on the aggressor. It's not on me to flee. Yeah, as far as as far as normative, and here's the thing: it, yeah. it crosses over from a normative framework into reality. Again, that question of like, what do you what do you choose to die for if two things you would die for are in conflict? Right. The the uh, those are the hardest choices, and ultimately the the. There is no wrong answer there, and there's no hypocritical answer there. <laughs> like right. it's you're you're you've got things that are important to you. Um, right. as freedom is one of many things that's very very important, yeah. and I think uh, I think unquestionably good uh, in in uh, yes a metaphysical sense. You know what I mean? So the this and, i this idea that you have to choose. Uh, one thing you consider to be a virtue over another when those two things are in conflict is uh, is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's also one of the things where I like I, I think I said this on Twitter where it's like I, I'm I'm more upset and I can only speak for myself. I'm not trying to speak for like libertarians or I'm not saying libertarianism implies this. But just from uh, from my own perspective, I, I am more I get more upset by what the state does to other people uh, and the types of things it does to other people than I am what it does to me. Right. Like <laughs> relatively speaking, it, uh, it's pretty lenient for me. And, you know, for compared to what other people get or what other people like what the state's done to other people. Sure. Um, that's not to say it's justified, but in comparison, it's it's much e lighter on me than it is like someone who's in prison right now for selling weed. Um, oh, I'm I'm so I'm I'm lucky. I'm for... someone who's largely not more messed with than the average guy. But there are people, exactly. uh, and uh, you know, especially knowing my girlfriend, she's she is constantly, constantly dealing with cases of people who are just being fucked with. Yeah. Um, by the state, and us going into the woods is not going to stop the state, right? From, uh, <laughs> and honestly, I'm not saying like us uh, staying in the state is going to stop that either. But it's just not a solution. When people are saying well, we'll just go off into the woods, that's not a solution either. Yeah, the, so it's, it's, it's like, no. There's no change ultimately. Yeah, none yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> Um, yeah. that's why I, I found that conversation so hilarious because it's like, what? what why is that necessary at all? Mm -hmm. If you're if you're if you're if your position is that you value uh, not being not you value human interaction being free from coercion. Right. If that's something right. you consider to be a virtue, then right. you must necessarily go to the fucking what? <laughs> How does that follow? <laughs> yeah. Or, and it's also one of those things where it's like, well, you're consenting to the state because you can leave, but you choose not to. One, acquiescence, just in like the case of the battered wife example, uh, acquiescence is not the same thing as consent. Uh, just because someone could choose to do something else, like, right? Like if you're getting mugged, 
right? You could choose not to hand over your wallet, and you could choose to fight the mugger, but the fact that you choose to hand over your wallet doesn't mean that was a free choice. It doesn't mean that any, that was anything but theft and extortion, uh, what happened to you, and perhaps attempted murder. Um, you, you know, uh, so, so these types of arguments just ultimately fall flat. Um, we would not view them, we would not view them as legitimate if it was um, just two individuals, two citizens in society interacting in that way. We would all see one, we'd all see it as an unjust if uh, someone acted like the state, but without being a member of the state uh, in civil society. Yeah, it would be, we would rightly call it uh, immoral at the very least. Right. At the very least. Yeah. And, and like, like you said, actually, uh, unjust as far as, you know, we, yeah. we've, we've Is talked it... about before how justice and morality diverge, but that happens to be both. <laughs> it's There's... wrong right. in both cases. There's... Yeah, exactly. So in one of the cases where, right, because I, I've seen this before, but I kind of want to elaborate on it a little. Um, as far as the, the libertarian conception of freedom, it, it's not that we lack choices right it's not that uh you're right everyone has choices everyone makes choices what we're saying is that the choices we make are constrained by a coercive institution um and the choices that we make because they're constrained by coercion are not free choices so the libertarian is concerned with people being able to make free choices and not just choices, right? You can right. have all the choices in the world, but if someone is putting a gun to your head, influencing you to make one versus the other, um, sure, you have the same amount of choices in a, in a literal sense, uh, but what you're being constrained by coercion uh, to make, uh, you know, choice A over choice B when normally you would choose B or something like that sure. uh, because of the coercion. And that's that's the, what we mean by freedom. We we don't mean that well we just lack choices right that that's why the go off into the woods argument uh falls flat is because it's like no obviously we could right uh, you could you, there are ways you you personally could try to escape the state and it may work it's possible but um that that's not really an argument against libertarianism because it's like look if a mafia moved into your town and said you have to pay us 25 percent of your income um or we're going to break your or we're going to break your legs um you could try to just leave to a town that didn't have the mafia there, but your choice to stay isn't consenting to the mafia, right? That's that's not how consent works. No, and there's there's all kinds of reasons that you might not be able to escape that, um, yeah. and there's all kinds of reasons that hell you might choose to eat that cost. I mean, people did it with right. protection regimes from real mafias in real life. People stayed there and they decided right. I can eat that just to keep food on the table. Right. And, and if, you, if someone doesn't regard that as coercion or having a free choice, you could make this we could go even further and make an, an analogy to someone pointing a gun at a woman's head and saying, uh, uh, have sex with me or I'm going to shoot you. Uh, her her doing that is not a free choice. Right. No. Uh, that that is rape. <laughs> um, and no one no one so, would claim it is. I don't, I don't think there's anyone right. who would in good faith claim that it is. Exactly. Exactly. I, 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 I truly don't. If anyone claims that that qualifies as a free choice, they are lying to you or arguing in bad faith. They must necessarily right. be a, so. And that's why you have to always distinguish between choice versus a free choice. 
Because when we say choice, like, there's a, a way you can view reality where it's like, yeah, we're always making choices, right? Like, whether I, even if a person's holding a gun to my head and I give him my wallet, I did, in some sense, choose to give him the wallet, but I didn't do so freely through my own, uh, through my will, uh, free of coercion. Right. Um, that, that's the difference. And, and you have to, um, once you understand that, then all arguments to, well, you know, you chose to stay, so therefore you consented. All those arguments fall dead in the water. Yeah, uh, they're not. That distinction. They're totally ineffective. Yeah, there was a, that. I I just how did we get off on that? I have no idea how we. Got I don't off know. On that. Oh, because the this family. Happens thing. Every episode, <laughs> yeah, the family. Thing. This happens every episode. We just get lost on a tangent, and then right. we're like, we just go off on it for like. It was the family thing. The idea that, like, I'm not going to give up family just because there's something else that I value. It's, it's not right. going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And if the... the <laughs> in the allegations of hypocrisy, ultimately, I uh, not not only are they not really true, they're, they don't really hold up to any sort of scrutiny, uh, but they're also uh, going to fall on deaf ears because I don't give a fuck. I value right. the things that I value, and I'm going to make decisions based upon that. Exactly. <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, well, then, well, then you're not consistent. Fine. <laughs> That's okay. Whatever. <laughs> Neither are you. So I guess we're yeah. at zero. Move on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, I just thought, I just thought this was such a fascinating thing. This, that, this. Yeah. That there's such a, a a willingness, and I'm not one of these um, blood is thicker than water guys. I'm I'm one of these guys yeah, who thinks yeah. you pick your family, right? You you build yeah, your agree. family. Um, I agree. Because there are certain people. Look, I've had family members who I don't talk to, and it's because they're dangerous. Yeah, um, yeah there, there there are absolutely family members who, if they act a certain way, you absolutely should cut them off, right? Yeah, like hundred percent. I I am not one of these people who think you should. Uh, in all cases, stick by people who are like absolutely abusive to you or something like that. That's not my argument. But it, but like, I, I feel like it, if you have a family member, or like a close friend, and you have like a, a disagreement or whatever, it's like I don't think that should be a reason necessarily that you should cut them off. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, a political disagreement. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and again, remember, the, this is not like it's not like you're arguing with like. Even if someone like disagrees with you politically, it's not like you're literally arguing with Nazis or something, right? Right, he's, they're uh, not and, and fucking I'm not, Mussolini. I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about like actual Nazis who like uh, ha, ha, are are employed by the regime and are you know committing all these acts. Um, I'm talking about like just your average your average voter who just you know might have one or two issues that they're. Uh, that they hyper fixate on and that's what they vote on and they really just don't care about anything else and maybe and, and mo as most of them are they're uninformed and to to be quite honest it's not really their fault that they're uninformed because the amount of knowledge it requires to be informed in politics is an extremely oh yeah amount. no it's, it's there's so much information there's too and much that is an information yeah and that's an informational overload for most people uh, who like have to put food on the table, and right? it also causes so a deep level of cognitive dissonance that a lot of people just can't deal with. And and I'm I'm yeah, exactly. I'm sympathetic to that. The idea that you you spend all your life thinking one way about one political party or, or candidate or whoever it is, and then you start and your digging family deeper. Who you love grew up thinking that same way, so to kind yep. of like change your mind, it puts you in a very weird spot with them too. So it, I absolutely, as you said, sympathize with that. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, because it's, it's very difficult. For example, the two-way voter who votes for Trump, and it's like, you mean bump stock ban Trump? Like that fucking guy? The guy who said, uh, take the, uh, what did he say? Take the guns and deal with it later or deal with due process later? Yeah, yeah, due process later, yeah. Yeah, that, that fucking guy, that's your two-way guy? <laughs> right. They can't handle it. It, it, it causes a, a level of mental disconnect where um, it's difficult it's it always to defaults admit. to, and it always defaults to. Well, Hillary would have been worse, yeah. which is true on guns, but yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's not. It, it's kind of just a deflection, right? It's well, that's true. She would have been worse. It doesn't really address the point, uh, the, the criticism. But yeah, right. as you're saying, it, it it is this thing where, like, for a lot of people, it's just it's really hard for them. And, and you know, if the system in my in in my view is like designed this way, right? It's like uh, uh, Brian Kaplan it, it makes this great point that people are much more likely to be informed on market-based decisions like uh food products than they are a political uh vote who the politician they vote for right they're much more incentivized because right they're going to be consuming this uh this food product uh and it's going to have direct consequences on them whether it affects you far more closely It, it affects it affects you more directly and oftentimes the consequences to casting your vote or your ballot it, this may be not have negative consequences on you until years down the line. Yeah. So, and people, most people aren't great at thinking uh, beyond first and second order effects usually. And that's not a knock. I'm just saying like human beings in general are just not good at that. Yeah. Um, uh, um, it's just, it's hard. Um, so, so it, when you have a system designed to where uh, a lot of these bad things happened third, fourth, fifth order down the, down the line, um, it can be very hard to like analyze something or it can be really hard to like look at all the voting uh, like um, policies that these candidates have voted for in, in the past. And what were the, all the ramifications of those policies? It's almost impossible. That creates a huge like web of like interactions and causes and effect where you know, the average person is just not able to uh, calculate that much information. It's very similar to and I wasn't going to bring this up. But I, I get I think it I think it's pertinent to the conversation that we're having now. The student loan thing. Oh yeah. Um And I'm not talking about the uh hold on, I'm trying to find the thread that I that I had on this. Um What was I saying? The 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 student loan thing? Uh loan. right. It is the, 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 the question of thinking past the first order effects, right? Which is something I had to actively stop being mad mm-hmm. about. Like, cause right. there was a time, especially during COVID during deep COVID, I was looking around and I was like, you people cannot think you people cannot think you just cannot think you, 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 you can't look at a decision and say, Oh, here's the definite bad outcome that's going to happen from that. I, I remember, right. um, I remember yelling and screaming about the fucking increase in suicides as a result of the COVID policy. Yeah. Like, this is going to happen, especially to kids. What the fuck are you idiots doing? You cannot think. Prior to this, depression and things like that were already on the rise. Exactly. Right? So obviously, when you, make, when, you, when you take a trend and you, like, put another trend on top of it or underneath it and to bolster it in some sense. Amplify uh, it. It's going to amplify it, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's when, and so I, but I had to actively decide to just accept that people can't think. Yeah. Like I, because it was it was really fucking me up, like how mad I was getting all the time that people were totally incapable of of thinking beyond the first order. 
right. And and this is and one this of the anomalies is so hard to like talk about with most people, in my opinion, because it's like and again, I'm not trying to say that we're just enlightened beings and everyone else is stupid. It, it's it's hard for just pretty much everyone. No, everybody's right? got like, blind spots. Yeah, some people are better at it than others, uh, but almost every like there's a, at a certain point, Dean. You and I have a breaking point where we can't think of past some some order of effect where it's sure. just too far out the line. You know what I mean? So everyone has some type of point. So some have some can think uh, further down the line, some can't. But ultimately, like at a certain point, this is just the the fallibility of human knowledge, right? Right. And reason. So I, I I wanted to talk about this a little bit. The student loan situation. Um, regardless of, and I think this is, I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure someone will yell at me about it. I think this is a fair point, regardless of where you fall on the cancellation issue, Mm -hmm. regardless of where you fall on student debt should be canceled. It shouldn't be canceled. How much should be, should be canceled if it should be canceled, uh, uh, regardless of where you are on that. I think this point is reasonable. And I wrote a thread on this, um, thinking about the way that the student loan functions mechanically with mm-hmm. regard to the parties who are involved. Yeah. And ultimately wh- where it ends up, I'm not going to read the whole thread, but ultimately where it ends up is the student loan creates a risk-free inflationary asset that financial institutions make billions of dollars trading, mm-hmm. buying and selling this risk-free asset. Cause it's guaranteed by the federal government. The, institutions the financial institutions have a vested interest in making that asset worth more which means increasing Mm -hmm. prices and increasing the number of borrowers and the universities happen to have the exact same incentive (laughs) to increase the prices and increase the number of borrowers right so the 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 federal government doesn't care they're only all they're looking at is enrollment numbers they don't care about the actual the, the way the incentives actually align in the system as they never do. Mm-hmm. Um, they never actually care about that. Uh, I said, the student's been told since they were five years old, they have to go to college or they're going to be destitute. So they've, they've, mm-hmm. they don't know yeah. what's real. <laughs> right. Right. They can't exactly. think about this. They have to play the game. They've been told they have to play the game. Yep. And, and it, I, I'm constantly, I'm seeing nobody in talking about this, and it doesn't matter where they're coming from, I'm seeing nobody propose a solution. Right. Because free college is not the fucking solution. It's Right, yeah. That's not even a solution that follows from the problem. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. The, the idea that, like, hey, the student loan program is broken, is broken in these ways, so the way we fix it is just free college. No, no it's not. <laughs> Why, how does that follow? Um, so, so, but... That's one of the things that that immediately spring to mind as an example of people being unable to think past first order effects. What what are the incentives of, of this system as it functions with regard to the parties? Mm-hmm. How how what what decisions are you going to make if you're a rational actor? What decisions are you going to make? And by rational actor, I mean the things that you value are the things that you value, not necessarily you always right. behave rationally. Right, um, right. Kind of like the, the praxeological rationality, not exactly. necessarily like psychological rationality that people use. Yeah. Exactly. If you're if you're a rational actor, how are you going to behave in this given system? 
And the obvious answer for this system is costs are going to go up and the number of borrowers are going to increase because everyone has a vested interest in making that happen. <laughs> um, but but I, 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 again, I'm not seeing anything that's uh, sort of analyzing this at that level. Everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's immediate take is, well, why are you shunting this cost off to the taxpayers as if it wasn't going to be anyway? And because mm-hmm. who do you think guaranteed the loan? You guarantee the loan. <laughs> As right. as the taxpayers, right. <laughs> um, and then on the other side of it, the people who are saying like, "Well, we need more of this," it's like, well, "But that doesn't solve the problem. You're only creating more incentive to keep the loans going." Right. Right. Complete lack of thinking beyond first order effects. Yeah. It, and it, and, it's. And, uh, yeah, go for it. I, I, I'm not going to make the argument here, but I do think that one could make a libertarian argument in favor of like just defaulting on it or saying that it's like this was uh, they did not know what they were getting into type thing. You know, it was not actually like a contract in some sense. I do think there is some libertarian case you could make for that. I'm not going to make it here, but I do think I do think that there is some con- uh, um, contested ground on like a libertarian playing field over this issue. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it comes down to, to some extent, um, you're it, it just by, from a sheerly practical perspective, mm-hmm. um, the only way to fix the problem is to make the asset risky and valueless. Right. Like that's, right. that's the only way to fix it. And the only way to make the asset risky and valueless is to, for, uh, is to forgive some portion of it, um, for pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar and then, uh, stop guaranteeing the loans and then make it bankruptable. If you do those three things, you, you basically crash that asset entirely. All the incentives realign. Yep. Yes. And now we have actual market incentives pushing prices down again. Right. Exactly. Because that's the thing, right? Is that there is a, in, in the same way, like leftists are, correct in their oftentimes when they look at when they see a problem they're like well medicine should not cost this much uh uh, tuition or school should not cost this much and it's like you actually you're correct uh your your solution for them is shit uh, but you 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 diagnose this uh uh, you you were able to see a problem and that is uh that is uh, an actual thing it actually is a problem but oftentimes all these things come from a lack of competition. They do. They come from uh, the state making these state types of things a captive, isolated market, closed out from competition, uh, which is, of course, going to raise raise prices and make these institutions more likely to side with the state because they they have the states they're invested in the state's interest because that's where they get their money. Yeah. Um, you can so, always you can yeah. always uh, you can always trust a leftist to point out the flaws in an unfree market. Where it's yes. like, yeah, there's, there's, there is no competition in medicine. You, you've given, right. you've given these companies. Uh, and now let's give the state the monopoly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You, you've given these companies monopolies on these products, and so you just want to move that monopoly to another party. Genius, exactly. yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And it's just like with the student loan thing. the The problem is easy money on tap, risk free. So you want to make mm-hmm. more easy money on tap, risk free. Yeah, genius. Very, very smart. Um, they, you're, you're right. They do. They see the prop. They see the symptoms. Yeah. 
they see the symptoms very clearly. And part of it's because generally making a market less free is going to cause more people harm. So it kind of yes. makes sense that if you have a degree of empathy on the left that's not shared um, necessarily by the right or not in the same way at least then mm-hmm. you have you would have them being more empathetic toward the individuals who are harmed yes. by the make, by making that market unfree yes it's going to create more downtrodden uh, which like people on the left at least ostensibly you know uh, ge- like actual leftists not politicians like people who identify sure. as left wing do tend to have this like sy- sympathy for the downtrodden and I think because as you said because because these policies create more downtrodden, uh, they're more likely to see the effects of these policies. And they'll, they'll be able to see the problem, but they won't be able to reverse engineer how the problem came about and then come up with like an adequate solution. I wonder how much that holds. I wonder if you were to go through leftist issues with, with those kinds of things and just find the unfreeness in the market that's causally connected. I wonder if you could do that with like everything or, or how much you could do that with. I'm not sure I would say everything, but I think for, for a good amount of things. Yeah, um, it's got to be pretty broad, right? Because the school thing especially yeah. is, is is a big one. The the You already mentioned med- uh, medical. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fascinating thing. Yeah. But it's a it's an excellent point. I just uh, that just came to me as an example of not thinking past first order effects. The, the, right. the first order effect everyone thought about is, oh, cool, easy money for college students to get into college. Right. Great. Um... But here's the problem. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, but also, to be honest, like, you know, the, I'm not saying there are no valuable things in college, right? I, mean, I don't, I want to come out and preface that first. But as far as knowledge goes, if you think you're just going to college because you're going to learn, you're just going to become smarter and you're going to learn more things, it's not like college is like some magical place where it's like there is knowledge that is kept in some secret library that only you can access if you've been accepted into college right that you you have the internet all that knowledge is online for free there's no secret knowledge at a four-year university going there for is the accreditation and you're going there for the um uh, the the social aspect and to meet other people and that can hopefully help you you know later in life uh, it's a four-year networking event you're not there's no secret knowledge at a four-year college honestly if if you if you want secret knowledge uh, learn a trade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really just the little uh, stamp you get at the end that says, Hey, I graduated college. And, exactly. You know, hire me. And of course that, you know, it, 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 as far as that goes, as far as that, you know, the accreditation goes, that is becoming, I think, less and less valuable over time. Oh um, man. There's no, as I agree. I made this point that the socialist hellscape of useless degrees, everybody's got a bachelor's, all stuff. It happened now. Yeah. We didn't need free college to cause that. It's it exists now. Right. Um. It's yeah, it's, it's nowadays, like people. From what I understand, people. Uh. You know, more people in the job market are looking for people who are trained in trades than they are who have necessarily have a college degree. Absolutely. I'm not saying the college degree is worthless. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like as far as, you know, uh, will it give you an extra bump? Probably. Yeah. Will, will it give you an extra bump like it used to? No. No. Uh, <laughs> no. It's because everyone's got it. You're competing in a marketplace where, where you can't compete because that, right. or rather you're competing in a marketplace where that piece of paper is no longer competitive. It's kind it's of right. a minim- the bare minimum. It's supposed to be a thing so you could stand out, but now that a lot, almost more and more people have it, 
you you're not standing out with it anymore. You're just one of the one of the other ones. Yeah. You know, you're just another one in the field. You're one of uh, millions and millions and millions of people who yeah. got that same degree on those same loans. It's not yep. you're not special anymore for having completed right. college. Oh, like you're not special anymore for having completed high school. It used to be if you had a high school diploma, that was something that made you more uh attractive yep. in the workplace. Oh, yeah. And it's just not it's just not that way anymore. Um yep. And that, there was an interesting thing too, uh, with regard to that. Oh, the the trade school thing. Um, <clears throat> I, I just wanted to share like a personal observation with you real quick because we hadn't talked yeah. about this, and I had, I did want to bring this up to you. I've noticed this weird thing where lawyers think that they are like white collar professionals and stuff, <laughs> and to a certain uh-huh. extent, they are. Yes, but. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people, especially when you get into like uppity gunner, like people who want jobs at white shoe firms and get them and things like that, where it's like people seem to have uh, lost sight of the fact that lawyering is a trade. Right. (laughs) Like it's not, you're not a, you're, you're not like an academic. This is a trade. (laughs) You're a tradesperson if you're a lawyer. Yeah, you're you're selling a service. <laughs> it's so weird to me. I don't. It's, it's it's apropos of nothing, but it was it was this weird thing. It's seeing people's attitude with regard mm-hmm. to like this thing where it's just like, no, this is a trade. You're learning a specialized skill. You're you're. Do you think you're a plumber with books? Do you think the existence of legalese kind of like makes makes lawyers think? that they're closer to academics because they have they have this special language that they have to learn that uh, only they can, like, decipher type thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think it makes them think that, and I think it also makes them think they're smarter. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean, yeah. They they think they're, but you're, it's, both are correct, I think. It, it, it makes them think that they're smarter, and it also makes them think that, um, kind of, I, I guess, where I thought you were going, which, which is the, uh, it, it makes them think that they have this kind of esoteric understanding yes. that right. um, that a lot of them don't have. And it's, right. it is a little esoteric, the idea of legalese and the idea of like, you know, uh, you know, you, you bring somebody who knows Latin into like, and you start talking legal Latin at them. They don't know what you're saying because yeah. legal Latin's a bastard language. It's not real Latin. Right. <laughs> it's that kind of thing where it's like there's, it's so insular um, and it gets so masturbatory that yep. they, they, they forget again, lawyering is plumbers with books. <laughs> that's right, all yeah. it is as a lawyer. That's all you are is you're a plumber with books. You're selling a service. You're plying your trade. It's such mm-hmm. a strange thing to see the way that people think of themselves. And I think it's because they have to wear a suit. Right. I think that's it. Like, I, I really oh, don't think maybe. it goes much beyond that. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge, like, psychological study into, like, just, like, um, your own sense of self, like, you're the ego when you're, like, dressed in, like, uh, quote, unquote, like, whatever the social standard is of, like, high-class clothing. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it, it's like people do have, there's a tendency for people to get this inflated sense of ego that they're, you know, someone important. And even on the other side, people have to have this, there's psychological studies where people will view other people as authority figures just by the way they dress. Right, right. And I think, I, I mean, part of it could just be my 
background, like I've talked about it a lot before. I come from a very blue collar Mm -hmm. background, very blue collar family. Um, uh, and, and I've got, (laughs) I've got the sciatica to prove it and the, and the the bad back and, and shoulder and all that. But the, 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 the thing about it that, that kind of shocks me a little bit is, is that I don't know. I just don't see any difference between a welder and a lawyer. You know what I mean? I, I don't see any functional difference sure. between what it is that you're doing outside of the fact that it's just two different trades. Right. And, and it, it, people get mad when you say that, too. <laughs> but it used to be oh, even I'm more sure. so. I mean, if you remember, Lysander Spooner sued um, the state of Massachusetts because basically he said, my apprenticeship is as good as law school. And so I should be able to be a lawyer after this length of an apprenticeship. I don't need extra because I didn't go to law school. Mm-hmm. Right. And one, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that it's, it used to be you could apprentice to just be a lawyer. I don't know. It's just a weird observation that I had, and I hadn't brought it up before. Um, goodness. Is there anything <laughs> else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I, it's been pretty dry this week. Uh, it's as been far as, very like, dry. Yeah. There's been a couple of things go on, but like the like the the uh, LP and H tweet and stuff. It's just like ugh, I don't care. It's like that stick figure meme of the guy the, with the stick saying, do, "Come on, do something." Poking yeah, exactly. at the thing on the ground. Uh, it's like that to like the the timeline. Just please do something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, do something. <laughs> I feel like the you know the the meme where there's the the group of people and he just comes out with a big thumbs up after somebody yells something and then goes back to talking to the group of people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like that with the LP and H tweet where like someone's up to the side going like, yeah. "You can't ignore this tweet," and it's just like, oh, "Okay, I, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> right, not interested." <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, there's only so much you can say about a given topic before we're just like going in circles and retreading ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, we've yeah. talked about we've, the McCain's have been talked to death. There's yeah. it's, <laughs> one of them literally. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's not it's not interesting to me. It's, uh, yeah. Okay, a McCain was sad about a thing. I don't fucking right. <laughs> Why do I yeah. have to pretend and, uh, to give a there fuck? Is this, like, there's this, like, hypocritical thing where it's like, you know, uh, you know, McC- McCain was sad about this thing. What, where is your outrage when, you know, all these children who were blown up by John McCain, uh, where, where are they, where's their families being sad on the news? You know what I mean? Right. So it, it very much is this, like, first world problem shit. It's entirely, uh, right. yeah. This And it's it's yeah. all an argument about shit that doesn't matter. It's all an argument yeah. about messaging on Twitter.fucking.com. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an argument about, is this messaging effective? It's Twitter! The answer's no, and the answer would be no regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a certain point at which you can have interesting conversations and, and, you know, I post, I've been posting a long ass thread comparing prices and, uh, adjusted for inflation of things right. from 1970 to today. And that thread has, that thread got much longer today because of one of Bernie Sanders guys, um, yeah. uh, lied. <laughs> he did dishonest math, um, on Twitter. 
Uh, he corrected it later or, or elsewise pretended to. But in any case, uh, that, that kind of stuff's interesting. It's just a place to put that kind of thing and have those kinds of conversations and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's like if you're trying to build a political party, you don't do it on fucking Twitter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Donald Trump and then you're uh, then you get memed into the White House. Oh, yeah. Uh, exactly. But otherwise, no. <laughs> Even he had to go on stage. Like it's it's one right. of those things where it's like the 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 Donald Trump thing. Do you think? Let me ask you this for real. Yeah. Do you think Donald Trump runs in twenty twenty four? I do. Okay. How far do you think he gets? Oh man. Honestly, I'm trying to think. As far as his base goes, so I, I don't think his base will be as strong as it was the first time, right? I think a lot of people were genuinely let down by Trump, right? Like, he obviously, he promised things and he did not deliver. Yep. Um, as Obviously, he wasn't good and he was never going to. But obviously, some people were, like, true believers. Um, I think probably, I do think DeSantis would probably try to run in 2024. Between those two, I don't know, genuinely. Um, I, I, I still think Trump might, I, I can't see, here's the thing, right? Uh, and this is the same with the Democrats too. I don't see anyone on the Republican side, um, that I would think that a lot of people could get behind and be like, yeah, that's my guy. Whereas Trump at least has that pot, uh, you know, TV personality, um, thing going for him. So where he's like, he can get a lot of people on his side. Um, I don't see that from any other Republican or Democrat, to be quite honest with you. It's like, who, who are the Democrats? There's no Joe Biden is going to be a, 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 like a fucking lich on stage. Oh, if he tries to absolute dud. Uh, Can you imagine? <laughs> he's going to fucking pass out. He's going to bang his head on the podium and everyone's going to be like, he's fine. Yeah, it's performance art. <laughs> Look, it was not exactly. great. <laughs> <laughs> He's the he, he has a block. There's someone above the stage puppeting, puppeteering him you with wires. Clearly, see the marionette strings. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the whole oh, it's his wife standing He's, behind him with her arms through his a, sleeves. <laughs> yeah, he has a voice box in there of like AI generated Biden voice lines, and like <laughs> he's just he's just being puppeteered on stage. Oh man, what a oh wow, he's God. a walking corpse. But the uh, yeah, the thing that's this, yeah. I think I, I I think DeSantis actually has the juice right now. I, I mean, I, I definitely think there's a lot a lot of people behind him for sure. But I think if DeSantis runs, I, I think this. I think if a Trumpian runs, Trump does not, or he drops uh, out of the primary early. I don't know. See, here's the thing, though. I don't think that's true because I think Trump is kind of like egotistical and I don't necessarily mean that as like a slur. I'm just making that as a description. Yeah. He's yeah. Very yeah. He will. And I don't yeah. He's he a very narcissistic tendency following in his footsteps to surpass him. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean. So, that's an interesting I thought. Like, I don't know. I feel like he doesn't win the primary though, especially if he's I up mean, against somebody like DeSantis. I don't think Trump wins a primary. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I do know there's a lot of like, Floridians would be pretty upset if DeSantis ran, though, because I know a lot of them want him to stay governor. Yeah, they don't want to lose him. Yeah. I know Newsom wants to go. Newsom is raring to go. God. Yeah, there's, there's like no one on the Democrat field, though, like that I see. And, and obviously, you know, I'm no fan of the Democrats. I'm no fan of the Republicans. So maybe I just don't see what other people see in these people. But it's like 
all of these people look like uh, just aliens wearing skin suits to me. They have no charisma, <laughs> they are. no personality. <laughs> they come across as extremely grating, and they're they all come across as people you would never invite over for a barbecue. Um, none right. of them. Uh, they all seem like the most dry, humorless people to ever walk the face of the earth. Um, there's nothing interesting, particularly interesting about them. And but yet, you know, they all have fans, so you know, obviously, some people see something. Uh, but but there's just no one that I see from my perspective. I, obviously, it has to be someone, but it's like it's like at a certain point, it's like they all might as well be the same because they're all they all have like the same uninteresting personality. And I think that's kind of like why Trump won is he was the only person to actually stand out on the Republican stage. In, in fact, right, right, all of them else. Like, remember John Kasich, uh, Kasich, Kasich, whatever his name <laughs> was, do. his father was a mailman and he had to say it every single time he got on stage. <laughs> uh, it, it's like that shit is just so like, uh, grating my, like mind numbing. It's like Joe Biden's <laughs> Amtrak pandering, constant yeah. pandering about Amtrak. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking oh, disgusting. I, I I I don't know. I, you know who I should start listening to again? And I kind of dropped off during a lot of the COVID stuff and things like that from a lot of political shows that I listened to before. Mm-hmm. I should start listening to Justin Robert Young again because he's got a good he's got a good feel for these things. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'm just so out of the loop, like political wise. Like it's been so long since I've listened to like an actually like politically focused podcast, and in, in so long. That's like I genuinely like am completely out of the loop as far as like what the uh, what the populace uh, is actually right. like gearing for, what they're gearing up for. To me, politics is this is what politics is for me. Like I, I went to school in my uh, my undergrad mm-hmm. degrees in political science. Yeah, there's something about politics that is just fun to watch. It's like oh, soccer yeah, or football. For me, you get to watch old billionaire assholes get yeah. up on stage and make themselves look retarded. It's such a strange thing. It, it's it's one of those things where I, I I watch presidential elections like the Super Bowl. It's a yes, Super Bowl I, that goes I, on for months, and I love it. I hate <laughs> politics. I love presidential debates. I oh, think they're, they're great. They're great. I think they're hilarious. Uh, yeah. Did I tell you? Have I told you one of the moments? One of the moments that was instrumental in in getting me sort of uh, into a sort of mindset of uh, not not quite a fifth columnist at the time, but, but being being outside of the mainstream was when uh, Barack Obama was debating um, uh, uh, Mittens, Mitt Romney, and mm-hmm. Mitt Romney told. Barack Obama on stage that he was a big fan of what Obama had been doing with drones and wanted to expand uh, it. Yes. Yes. Dude, that <laughs> moment for me, I was in college and I'm watching that in my dorm and I'm just like, holy fuck, these guys are not, they're all the same. Yeah. They're all and the he fucking even, same. He did that with drones and he did that with healthcare too. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. It's one of those things where it's like, Oftentimes, usually, and that, that's something interesting, right, with the Obama-Romney uh, debates, which is usually they agree behind the scenes, right? Usually oh, yeah. it's all a big, it's a big uh, show. It's Kabuki Theater uh, up there where they're oh, acting yeah. like they're in position to each other. But behind the scenes, they're all like buddy-buddy, right? That's often how these types of things go. Um, but the, the Romney-Obama debates were was one of the cases where it was clearly out in front how much Romney was almost trying to appease him uh, and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we agree. 
There was a like, lot of. I, I think I, I, was he. I, I, I think about that sometimes. Like, was he trying to reach out to like the moderate left? What was he doing? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I have no idea exactly what his um, motive for that was at all. But it, it it certainly came across as like very weak. It's like, well, if you just agree, like if you're a moderate leftist and you're like, uh, yeah, you agree with this guy so much, why don't I just vote for this? Yeah, guy? exactly. Probably, right. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a, it was a strange strategy. I don't it's know. It's so weird. Uh, if you want to see something interesting. And I have I have been doing this, uh, going back and watching old presidential debates. If you want to see something fascinating, and I think, you know, these things tend to rhyme because a lot of the problems, you know, of the past come back. Um, mm-hmm. and, and right now we've got inflation issues. We've got gas price issues. We've got um, uh, issues with uh, unemployment all that kind of stuff. If you go back and watch the Reagan Carter debate, the first Reagan Carter debate from October of uh, 84, was it in? Oh um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if you go back, it might've been 80. It might've been 1980. If you go back and watch that Reagan Carter debate, the first one put on by the league of women mm-hmm. voters, I think that debate is going to be informative for what's coming in 2024 and it's a fascinating debate to watch just because it's a you know it's a piece of history and all this other stuff but it's a it is i recommend if you're listening go listen to the first reagan carter debate put on by the league of women voters in october it is uh it's fascinating to hear the conversation that was actually happening at the time and to hear the context in which it's happening and additionally uh which is redundant and additionally to hear the way that issues like inflation were addressed in that setting. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really fascinating. I recommend watching it. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's really good. It is a good debate, too. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, talented I politicians. I, I think I watched that a couple of years ago. I should probably watch it again, because I, I'd imagine there's a lot of things that's like, it, it has this like, you know, time is a flat circle type thing. There's nothing new around the sun or under the sun. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, these are the same issues coming up again. Yeah, well, this is something that I started looking at when uh, Justin Robert Young made his uh, Raise the Dead uh, series. When he compared uh, Trump versus Hillary to Kennedy v. Nixon. Hmm. The Kennedy against Nixon uh, campaign. And that that right. was a fascinating series comparing those things and the way that media played a role and all this stuff. That's what yeah. that's when I, I first started looking know. out. The Kennedy versus Nixon debate is infamous because it was the first televised debate. So that was the first time the medium went from um, um, just radio, let's say, just hearing their voices and hearing like their arguments and things like that, to stage presence. Yeah, uh, things that you know, theatrics, things that you normally uh, had reserved for like audio. Uh, there is now a visual component to these things. And the uh, Kennedy's really use of technology throughout that entire campaign um, was likened. Uh, just uh, just remember, Young likened it to Trump with Twitter. The the Kennedy right. campaign had a stack of VCRs, and they were copying press packages and sending them out to local news stations in target areas. Like yeah. like, and Nixon wasn't doing that. That was new tech. No. Yeah. Like it's it's amazing what was going on and 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 so I started looking out sort of for for where history rhymes with itself uh as George Lucas would would say yeah. <laughs> it doesn't repeat but it rhymes. Um yeah. the the 
I started looking out for that a little bit, and I think that debate has has. I think there's a gem in there, maybe something to look for. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it feels relevant. Um, mm-hmm. The the that uh, that debate, uh, Reagan and uh, and uh, uh, Carter, Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. um, and Jimmy Carter's voice. I fucking hate Jimmy Carter's voice. I I, oh, I don't know why. I can't. <laughs> Do you stand remember it. him telling the story about how he was like attacked by a a rabbit on his boat? <laughs> Oh my god. Do you remember no. that? Dude, what? Not. That's an iconic. Yeah, he was out fishing one time and he's telling this story about how uh, a rabbit jumped in his boat and attacked him. Holy shit. I can't. I hate his voice so much. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's all I had and a few things I didn't have. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else? Anything else? No, I think uh, I think I'm good with that. Okay, all right. Well, uh, why don't you do plugs? Where can people find sure. you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ace underscore arcus, and you can find my Substack at uh, acearcus.substack.com. Uh, and that's all. What uh, about you? No appearances. Uh, no appearances this week. No. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, you can find my friend Pacing Joska, J O U S K A, uh, on Twitter. And uh, my show, Dino Files, uh, on Alternative Internet Radio, ARAD.io. Um, and that is that is it, actually. School started back up, so I'm, I'm very busy. <laughs> well, that's that. Thank you for that's listening. That. Later, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.